Um, I did want to maybe, before I start, I was, because I've got the mic now, and Mr. Sills sat down, that means I have the con. Um, won't we just stand and turn to the person next to you? Grab a person, one-on-one. Guys with guys, girls with girls, if possible, please. <laughs> you know these, if I can just have your hearts for a second and your ears. <laughs> we, there's a, a definite prophecy on individuals. Guys, there's a, a prophecy on ind individuals, but it's not just a prophecy, it's, it's word as well that's been um, confirmed. Each one of you has a responsibility and a job to do in the kingdom, but we're not alone. So, so in your prayer for one another, can I ask you to pray? We don't know what the Lord has for you. Sean, I don't know what the Lord has for you. But Father, I pray for the favor of you to fall on this part of the journey, King. That Sean can walk in everything so we together can become a whiter bride for that day that you're coming, Father. Let our eyes open not just on ourselves, but open for our brothers and sisters that they can walk in the more. Can you just do that with somebody? Amen. Cool. So those of you who missed it, my name's Ryan. Um, I lead Durbanville PM with my team. And so good to have my peeps, uh, my team from Durbanville come and support us. And support you guys at Gordon's Bay. My beautiful wife, Tracy. Uh, my eldest son, Alex, and my younger son, Dave's next door, and my daughter is betrothed, promised to a man, and about to leave the house in August. So, <laughs> these are lowlights. This isn't gray, and this is toothpaste bleaching. Uh, another great friend of mine, family friend, Ryan Parker, you guys will know him, he's a, uh, a member here. Um, please, show him with love and praise, hugs out of the blue. Um, just make him, keep him on his feet. Keep him guessing what's going on. Don't tell him I said anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, I felt it necessary for us to prepare our hearts, um, guard our hearts at this time, especially this time of the year where we're possibly tired, um, getting a little bit weary of the year, um, but we most probably all need a good reminder um, to preserve what has actually been deposited us in already, such a, a rich deposit, what we already have. But just I wanted to remind us of that today. Um, we're soon going to be leaving the safety of the church and going out there into the lion's den of Christmas break. 
A lot of us may at this time take a break and go and leave, perhaps miss out on a service or three, or even go visit with family. A time where perhaps we get to take our Christianity out for a walk. I'm talking about a little bit more exposure than we used to. Being outside of the bubble of church and family here at Josh Jen, which is so easy to be around. Is it easy to be here? Even though hard things get challenged, it's still easy. But out there, it's a different story. Everyone agree? So this is surely an amazing time for us to shine at our brightest, actually. Um, Not to be judgmental, but with all humility and self-control, shine. Easier said than done. I felt that I wanted to say for all of us, including our guys back in Durbanville, we are about to get our new building. And like you've got ships getting shipwrecked and people coming in, we're going to have the same thing too. And we're going to need to rest well. But I want us to get just a small shift. Don't rest from. Rest too. So rest prayerfully, asking God to provision you for the season to come. Not for respite from the one who's just come through. <laughs> so today I wanted to remind you again of what we called to. Um, most probably a final, definitely a final message from me. <laughs> yeah, for 2022. So... I wanted this morning to light a flame, to turn on a light for you as we go into an even more difficult time, to be steadfast. And I love the next word, resolute, resolute. And I would love to start by reading my favorite scripture in the whole world. It's a gift from him to you, and he really wants you to have it. So I don't want to bore you with my voice, because I'm still going to talk a bit after this. Who led worship? Sorry, what's your name? Albert. You have that gravelly sort of voice that commands some attention. Why don't you come up and read for us, please, if you don't mind. So I hope the writing is going to get a little bit bigger than that. (laughs) Albert. So Father Albert's up here and he's a personality here and people know him and expect things from him. But right now he's about to read the word of yourself, Father, the word of God. I pray that there's less of Albert and absolutely everything on your, of your authority over this word that's going to be spoken to the congregation, like the, the prophetic word you gave the eyes and ears this morning, Father, um, that you are going to open up the hearts of individuals to receive this word, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Okay, so you're going to read all the way. <laughs> Except to verse 37. Except that. Yeah. So in bold, you ignore, but you just keep going. All right. 
Were you picked on in Sunday school as a kid? Oh, in school. A little bit. In school. Now's your chance to redeem all of that. Okay. okay. I got this. Go for it. I got it. All right. All right. Romans 8 is life through the Spirit. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law of power uh, was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, guarded by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be, to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their own minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind is governed by the flesh, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God, does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you're in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And in the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, who has raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought you brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry Abba Father the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children now if we are, ch are we the, if we are the children then we are heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory um, Present suffering and future glory. I consider that your present of sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that you'll be revealed in us. For the creation uh, waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. And for the creation was subject to, subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation 
has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have been the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. Um, the present, the redemption, thanks. Uh, I'm still out from the worship. <laughs> so now you're making me sweat even more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. That's part of it. You're the other part of it. <laughs> For in this I hope we're saved. We were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And we who searched our hearts, and he who searched our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to, the pur- to his purpose. For God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. More than conquerors. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for, for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then, the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from, from the love of Christ? Shall Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. (laughs) Well done. So Romans 8 verse 1 to 36 is your homework. You go read it again. You go and own it. Um, It does lead into where I actually want to start, and that's verse 37. Um, It's so easy that we can fast forward or try fast forward a preach in Scripture specifically and only pull out one verse to make it easy for you but actually gave us the whole word to come and work in us. And I don't want to be blamed for, what about 1 to 36? Did I just waste my time there? So, so verse 37, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors 
through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us, us, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. My favorite scripture. I did write here, thanks for bearing with my voice, but I saved you from that. In verse 37, you can leave it up, starts with a very firm no. That in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And I wanted to encourage us all today as we face off against our challenges this Christmas break, specifically. And we all have them, be it our job, situation, the long year, Perhaps there's relationships that have been lost amongst us. Finances, living arrangements changed. Loss of loved ones. Struggles with personal emotions. Fear. Doubt. Uncertainty. Depression. Loneliness. Frustration. Anger. Perhaps there's a lack. Self-pity, anxiety, worry. That through it all, the word declares, you read it, we are more than conquerors through him. Jesus, Son of God, he who loves us, having paid the full price for you and for me. So the title of the sermon, if you... Busting for one, or you made it up already? I see the guilty parties. So much more than. So much more than. You see, all this has to mean something. The use of the term more than conquerors that we see here only appears in the New Testament here. Its direct meaning is those that gain a surpassing victory to be completely victorious, to carry away an overwhelming victory. Paul's saying the reality that you and I need to grasp onto is this. We, that's all of us again, plural, are present tense, not will be or have been, are, it's definitely an active word, more than conquerors. In other words, we need to keep on winning at this glorious victory. Amen? The fact is that even when all of us, all of what we are facing feels like, appears like, even when it feels like our backs are up against the wall, we are still and called to forever be more than conquerors. And God will strengthen us to live out this glorious present tense victory every day. Another amen? amen. Despite how things look to us 
or how we feel about our circumstances or situations, we are more than conquerors in all these things. Most of us have an idea that victory in this life only occurs when we're living lives that are free from worry and any challenges. And that's where the world wants us to stop, at conqueror. You seen the t-shirt? Conqueror. These great expedition leaders that go and stick flags and make rock piles. I'm not, it takes a lot to do that. But that's a conqueror. Someone who gets to the top and sticks a flag in it and it's done. And this scripture, I believe, is not stopping there. So we are more than. A life free from worry and challenges. I double dare you on that day to go look for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I went in the fire, seven times hotter, and I walked into it, chins up, and in the fire, in the fire, not going into the fire, but in the fire, I believe they met with Jesus. Paul is telling us here something different. We are more than conquerors in all these things in spite of everything the world can throw at us. Again, the list. More than our job situation. Long year, relationships lost. Finances, living arrangements. Fear, doubt, uncertainty, depression, loneliness, frustration, anger, lack. Self-pity, anxiety, worry. You fill in the gaps. Don't be limited to my words. He tells us that not only do we have victory over sin and Satan, but over the whole world. Afflictions and persecutions in it are included. Not only overcome, but here's the cinch, better off and stronger for it. John 16, everyone knows so well, for God so loved the world. But in verse 33, Jesus actually promises us, in this world you will have trouble. Did I give it that scripture? No, that's fine. Don't worry. They have to believe me at some point. We are more than conquerors over all those who would challenge our relationship with the Lord. Back in Romans 8 and verse 33, God has justified us. We are more than conquerors over those who would condemn us or call us unworthy. Where is your value today? Where is your sonship? Is a word we use quite often. Jesus Christ died for us on the cross. And he shed his blood to save us. And no one can undo what he did for us on the cross. Sean brought up earlier as well. 
No one can. Back to John 16.33. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Not be shooken. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. This is your Lord. This is who you have chosen to give your life to. Do I hear hallelujah? (laughs) The world has, is, and always will be against us. The attacks are increasing in frequency and severity. In verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And in spite of everything the world wants to throw at us, we are still more than conquerors over all these destructive plans. We are more than conquerors Not by avoiding these things, but by standing in the face of adversity and claiming the victory. Not by our own hands or might, but by His. In Jesus' name. When you and I accepted Jesus, when you, yourself and myself, surrendered our lives, God gave us a new heart. He didn't repair our old heart. He gave us a new one. God took our old heart that was cold and hard and replaced it with a new soft heart. He filled this new heart with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us to hear His voice and obey His word. God's presence and power in you is very real. We need to be more than conquerors. We need to actually live it. Now for the reality check. It's very easy at this point to have your fires kindled, to even feel a bit better about our circumstances, that we can win this thing, hey? (laughs) It's definitely not for ourselves, though. Not for selfishness' sake, but for selflessness that we do this. All for his gain. Paul writes for us that the only reason that we are more than conquerors in this life, in verse 37, is through him who loved us. Our more than conqueror's status doesn't happen for us or even through our own efforts. The victory rests in Jesus alone. His victory. And that's why it can't be stolen. (laughs) We're weak vessels. Robbed from every day in a variety of ways. And then the final verse under Romans 8, Verse 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, 
nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the love of God for His children. And He is so pursuant of it. Of us. That God wants us to know not nothing, not anything, bad English, sorry, can separate us from His great love for us. And it's for this very reason that we need to hold on to everything. How we regard one another in this life. Why without love we are nothing. You've heard perhaps 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. So we are more than conquerors. Amen? And to ensure our victory, the Lord promises us that his love is the guarantee of his victory, of all the things that come against us. Do you believe what the Bible says about you? Those of us who are in him, you are more than a conqueror. So what does this mean for you, Ryan? I hear Sean asking. Good question. What do you do to embrace this more than a conqueror position? It's a great question. Number one, I guard my attention. Whatever I find myself thinking often becomes my reality. I'm sure you find that yourselves. If I give myself to negativity, I allow negativity to take a hold of me. If I focus on selfish and physical things, Cars, new Ford Figos, <laughs> new tech, etc. I start myself falling into my fallen self. If I give myself to murmuring under my breath, complaining and distracted by unfairness of everything. Actually, I know I'm never helping resolve an issue. Instead, I end up adding more to my frustration, my anger, bitterness, disappointment, and injustice in life. Instead, I choose to focus on the positive, the truth I've come to know and love, the love, light, and life of Jesus. Philippians 4.8 says, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, think on these things. 
Number two, this might sound a bit arrogant, I always try to think like a victor and not like a victim. In the midst of my challenges with cancer, um, I too have one kidney um, now (laughs) and one liver, two eyeballs and a tongue. (laughs) There's some other things that are dropping off daily. (laughs) But in my midst of my challenges with cancer, I was blessed with faith. Not an immediate healing, but a surety. One that was going to allow me in the future, like now, face the giants of the high country, like Caleb and Joshua. I've never allowed myself to be sidetracked with victim thoughts, like I'm under attack. Instead, I try thinking victorious thoughts, like, God, thank you that in every battle, there is an opportunity to take territory for you. It says in 1 Peter 5, 8, that the devil is looking for some victim to devour. I am not a victim. I am resolute that sometimes I can look a bit stubborn, right? Sometimes. When I gave up smoking a very long time ago, uh, Ryan Parker, I've been with him since school. I knew that the last cigarette was the last cigarette I was ever going to have. It was not only a gift, but it was a decision, one that I made resolutely. And then finally, I make a conscious decision daily to allow God via the Holy Spirit and the many men and women he places around me to change me. Those three things. In this way, he helps me see patterns of wrong thoughts or deeds. And it's not because he is mad or disappointed in me. It's because he loves me and wants to inhabit more in me, more time with me. He can't be near some of that ugly stuff. He wants me to walk in the fullness that he has for me. A gift he has given me. He wants me to realize that when I change my mind, when I make a better decision, I actually change my reality. Romans 12.2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To do this, and I actually added in my notes, and I forgot to put it on, but we got those silly little, what would Jesus do bracelets. And I say silly because you look at them and you think it's people pretending to be Christ. But in our family, I know the boys, Dave specifically wears them more often than any of us as a reminder of what would Jesus do in this moment. We spoke about we're a congregation that wants to respond well. Responding is very different from reacting. The world wants you to react. And that comes from your default, which the world 
I want to say governs. Your default, the world governs. Being in Christ is, a, is not really our default. It's somewhere we want to be in full maturity with him. But our responses, or the way we react, actually needs to be more of a response. It needs to be more of a consideration. You see, our life is not defined by our situations. Our life is defined by who we are in Christ. And we are treasured by our Abba Father. Do you want to live in victory? Then it's time to start thinking about what you're thinking about. And especially how we are doing life. Paul let us know there is a key to being more than conquerors and to living in the fullness of Christ. And that is for us not to think as the world thinks. Instead, we are to allow the Holy Spirit to help us renovate our minds. So we start thinking in a way, not earthly, but from a kingdom point of view. Romans 12, 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Any of you wondering what God's will is for your life? Here it tells you, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If you're wondering what God's will for your life, stop being conformed to the pattern of the world. Colossians 3, 1-4, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. Who died here? Who went into the watery grave? Who's had a full immersion baptism? For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. As we go into the silly season, the crazy season, as we continue to face old adversities in people and in situations, and perhaps maybe we get new ones. Let's not do it the same way that we have always done. Let's choose to change, as difficult as it may be. Why, you might ask, Sean, I see that question. Because now we know so much more. We have so much more assurance. I challenge all of us, for all scenarios we are facing, to do life with as much resemblance of God's love as we can. As difficult as it may be, but with as much tenacity as we can muster to an equal measure that was afforded us. Never forgetting, often read at a wedding, 1 Corinthians 13, 4-5, love is patient, love is kind. Does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self seeking, it is not easily angered, 
he keeps no record of wrongs. And then to land. Genesis, you're not going to get all these scriptures, so don't bother writing them down. But Genesis 1.27 and James 3 verse 9 tells us the human heart was created to mirror God's own heart. We were designed to love Him, love righteousness, and walk in harmony with God and others. That's in Micah 6 verse 8. I can send them on. But part of God's design of the human heart is free will. That free will carries with it the opportunity to abuse it, as did Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. That's Genesis 3. God desires that we choose to love and serve Him. When we stubbornly refuse to follow God, our hearts, which were designed to communicate with God, are hardened. God compares rebellious hearts to stone in Zechariah 7. A heart of stone finds it impossible to repent, to love God, or to please Him. That's in Romans 8 as well. The heart of sinful humanity are so hardened that we cannot even seek God on our own. And that's why Jesus said, no one can come to him unless the Father draws him. That's John 6. Friends, we're in desperate need of new hearts. For we are unable on our own to soften our own hearts. They hard. A change of heart towards God requires a supernatural transformation. And Jesus called it, in John 3, being born again. When we are born again, God performs a heart transplant as it were. He gives us a new heart. The power of the Holy Spirit changes our heart from sin-focused to God-focused. We do not become perfect. 1 John 1 says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We still have our sinful flesh and the freedom to choose whether or not to obey it. However, when Jesus died for us on the cross, he broke the power of sin that controls us. That's Romans 6. Receiving Him as our Savior gives us access to God and His power. A power to transform our hearts from sin-hardened to Christ-softened. When we were separated from God with hardened hearts, we actually found it impossible to please Him. We tended towards selfishness, rebellion, and sin. With new hearts, we are declared righteous before God. The Holy Spirit gives us a desire to please God. This was foreign to us when we were in that hardened state. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that we are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, 
which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. God's desire for every human being is that we become like His Son, Jesus. We can become like Jesus only when we allow God to rid us of our old hardened hearts and give us our new heart. So I know many of you here have given your, your hearts, traded in your old ones for new ones. But I want, with every eye closed, why don't you all stand with me, please? With every eye closed, and you're going to need to put your hand up high, if this is you, to God is calling you to come trade in your old heart for the new one. And up until this moment, you have actually, I've read scripture, you have been unable to see. And in a moment of grace, he has lifted his hand and right now your heart is thudding. You're most likely sweating a bit. And it's okay. He is calling you into his family to become a brother and a sister, to, to no longer be alone fighting a battle that you can never win. He's calling you to be more than a conqueror today. If that is you, can I ask you to raise your hand up high? Amazing. Can I pray for the courage of the Lord on your lives to come forward? Is that all right? Can you come forward? Three of you? Amen, amen, amen. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. I saw that hand. I saw that hand. That's cool. Cool. Can we get some guys, ministry guys, around these guys? What they're going to do is we, we do have a thing called the Sinner's Prayer where you um, go through a couple of motions and just hand everything over to him in a moment. Um, so these guys are going to lead you in it. May, perhaps individually would be great. Because you're doing this on your own, on your own, um, I can't think of the word conviction. Well done. Thank you. I knew why we bought you. <laughs> yeah. So you guys go off to the side and we'll celebrate with you now now. For the rest of you who have been given a new heart, don't focus on them. Their journey at the moment is only just beginning with the Lord. But for you, those of you who have, and we normally do this part really badly, you have been given a new heart. You've neglected it. You've neglected the call in some way or other, or looked at some of these things, and almost by giving the enemy purchase that you're a victim, not claiming that Jesus sits on your throne, the throne of your heart, in this life. So I don't want to limit myself to my words though. You will know. Holy Spirit, you've all received the Holy Spirit. He will come and convict you of this in this moment. But if you really need to recommit to the Father, recommit to 
what the Lord's doing in you. Can I ask you guys to be as bold and come forward? We'll give it a moment. I always find it while you're considering and listening to the Holy Spirit in you, how often we, as Christians, we, we tend to refuse so quickly the work of Him in us. This is a genuine recommitment. This is repentance. This is turning your life around. This is knowing that the choice is yours to make better decisions moving forward. Just where you are, seek his face, take it to him. For the rest of the congregation to hold out your hands to your brothers and sisters to the, the prodigals who are returning, if you can gather around them, gather around them, hold them up in prayer. Come out of your seats. It's all right. They're not going to bite. Yeah. Please come and surround yourselves. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just had a, a picture for you guys of when you died in that water and Jesus actually says, you are now clothed in him. It's his clothes you wear. It's him who you represent in this walk. There's a lot of us that needs to die, but there's also a lot of you that is been beautifully and fearfully created to step in something more than you have taken hold of at the moment. So Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you, King, for their recommitment today. I, I hold them up, Father, and I say, help our brothers and sisters, King. Help our brothers and sisters make better choices. Uh, not for their sake, but for the sake of the bride, the sake, for the sake of what Jesus is returning to come back into. And we all look forward to that beautiful day. Amen. Have we got a song of celebration? Are we? Okay. Very tight. Do we have to be out at 12? Okay. Don't worry about the worship. We'll sing our own hallelujahs when these guys come back in. Are you taking names, numbers for your report? Cool. Right. Thanks, guys. Let's just give Ryan a hand. Yeah, I think it was great. We're just going to give the guys that are praying time to just continue with that. But we're going to close the meeting efficiently. Um, for those that are members, if you want to.